Welcome to Life in the Center Lane. This is your host, Nick. You may have noticed we haven't had an episode in about two years, and this has been a bit intentional. Uh, life seemed to have gotten the way of making a podcast, um, and despite my best efforts to mitigate impacts from life, I was not able to, ergo I have not been able to make a podcast. That is changing now. So I am going to return to making this podcast, Life in the Center Lane. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be weekly or monthly or what it's going to be. There will be some time in January and February where I'm going to be gone, unable to make a podcast. But my goal is every couple of days, uh, kind, of, kind of intermittently when I have something to say or something to think about. With that being said, the last two years have been just insane. Um, and when when last we spoke, as it was, um, <clears throat> the president, President Trump, had been in office not very long, and we had talked about Russia and the impacts they were having on the election and interference in the sense of um, influence campaigns. And we had talked about it, and we said it was bad. And my, my former co-host, uh, we talked about it quite in depth. Um, and it, it appears that most of the things we had said have turned out to be true. Um, the, the Mueller report has been released. And with all that being said, there was evidence of malfeasance from the campaign. However, very little of it actually went back to the president uh, himself. So he was insulated by his... Um, his folks at the uh, lower levels, which is to be expected from senior leaders. So I don't want to get tied up too much in some of these very subjective conversations about what is going on, the presidents and politics, one way or another when it comes to items such as that. I, I just feel that we can, or I at this point as myself, can just talk about it for ever, to really no end, right? I mean, the value of it is I can just be another talking head in your life. And I don't think that's what I want to do. Um, really, it's not what I want to do, right? Uh, I don't want to be just another talking head. So uh, instead of being another talking head, why don't I talk about a couple things that have been on my mind um, that you probably have thought about or haven't thought about. And Thanksgiving just ended. I'm recording this on the 3rd of uh, December. And Thanksgiving is over. Uh, it happened about a week ago, and um, I've, I've seen some some people indicate uh, that. And I think the president said this uh, that that the left quotation air quotations the left um, is trying to get rid of Thanksgiving and call it something else, which I think is largely in, is crazy. I think there's probably some fringe elements, but I want to address a few things. Um, that have been on my mind, ref uh, Thanksgiving. And one of the things that I see, and, uh, and this isn't to say that everyone is this way, but one of the things that I see or hear are a bunch of very old, tired lies, tropes, uh, wives' tales about, um, about when Europeans arrived in the New World and what they did and the the genocide, quote-unquote genocide, that was perpetrated on the native peoples of <clears throat> the American continents. And let me just start off by saying this. Um, 
<clears throat> the word genocide was born in the 20th century. Now we can de determine when it was born, and it's even controversial to use it in World War One for the Turks on the Armenians because it largely happened. Right? There's a little doubt that the event happened, the Armenian genocide, quote unquote. But it happened before the term genocide was ever used. Right? Genocide was was used later, and is one of those terms that we used to describe Nazi Germany, because the, what the Turks did the Armenians and pushing them out of their lands and feeling that they were a threat to their country and killing large sections of them. In case you didn't know this, that was the norm for the world, right? That, that was not abnormal. Had you taken that and put it in the 1700s, we'd have been like, oh, yeah, of course, that's, that's fine. That's what happened. And so, and I understand the Turk complaint here that using the word genocide for this term before it was a commonly understood thing you shouldn't do, um, or outside the bounds of what was normal in human existence to that point, is something that I think they might be given a pass on. I don't really like the Turks, so I probably won't give them one, but in all honesty, we probably should. Now, um, let's fast forward to uh, Thanksgiving. Now, one of the things that I hear uh, that is just mind-boggling frustrating is that the, the explorers and the settlers from from Europe managed to have a genocide and kill all the natives, or most of them, and take their land. I want you to realize when the conquistadors, really the people that did most of the conquering, came over to the New World, right? They came over, let's, they came over the New World around the 1500s, okay? Around that time. Now, I want you to think about what weaponry was like in the 1500s, right? The conquistadors had breastplates. They had armor. Armor that could easily be penetrated by an arrow fired by an Aztec warrior or pierced by a, <clears throat> a spear uh, that the Aztecs might have had. And if not the breastplates, you know, the whole body is not armor. They weren't coming over like armored knights. They had some very basic armor squares, I pronounced that probably wrong. The the old, um, the old matchlock rifles or muskets at this point, which would fire a lead ball, and you know, but it took you know a, a three years to reload, and by the time you reloaded that thing, your your adversary was on top of you anyway. This is why they had swords and and the giant plumes on their helmets and everything else, right? I mean, it, it, it these people were using very basic firearms and, and edged weapons as the primary m method here of, of conquest. About a thousand. Let's, let's say max. Uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt here. And let's say there was 5,000 that came. Okay, say it's 5,000. I know it's not 5,000. You know it's not 5,000. Well, it says 5,000. The estimated population of the new worlds was around 100 million. Now, there's some variance there, but let's just pretend for even numbers it's 100 million. Okay? Let's, you know what, let's, let's say it's 50 million, just for S's and G's, just to make this a little more even than 100 million to 5,000. Let's say it's 50 million to 5,000. Um, that disparity in manpower is immense, right? And the ability for the Spanish to go in and murder you know, 20, 30 million people 
enslave them, and then conquer the lands with only five or 6,000 people is just insane. I mean, it, it is a... It is a a thought process that boggles the mind. How would you do it, right? You didn't have they didn't they didn't get off the boat. They didn't. I mean, the ships didn't land, and a bunch of little Hitlers came out and started building concentration camps, putting people in them, and executing them. Even when you look at Hitler and the Nazis, they were not as efficient as the Spanish were, and as the Europeans were when they came to the New World. They weren't. They didn't kill all of the Jewish population. They killed a large portion, but not all of it. The Spanish killed nearly 90%. How did they do it? Well, I mean, maybe the stroke of them killing 90% is wrong, because they didn't. Um, in fact, they didn't do much of all, right? They could take all this territory because... By the time they got to the cities, by the time they got to the capital, by the time they got to any major uh, population center of the Native Americans, uh, the Aztecs and, and the Incas in this case, the people were all dying and, and dying in the streets en masse. One of the things in Western civilization we talk about is the Black Death. And Black Death has a outsized impact on European history. You can look at it and you can see the changes in European culture and you can see the changes in people's thinking. You, I mean, flanges come out. You have all kinds of crazy stuff that happens when Black Death hits Europe, right? It's insane. You go back and you can see what's going on. Kings die, queens die, everyone's dying. It's just bodies in the streets. Society begins to break down in many areas. Some of the highest level of death from the Black Death there's some areas that touch around 60%, and that's extremely rare. Those are the outliers. The, the average is somewhere between 30 and 50%, right? which is extremely high, extremely high. The problem with the Black Death is, is, is it also impacts um, the healthy uh, at a higher rate due to the, the way it functions, however, which makes it even more painful. But at 30 to 50%, it's so bad that the bodies pile up in the streets, and people don't even have the energy to move the bodies out. The sick are trying to take care of the dying, and the dying just lay there and fester because there's no one to move their bodies out. It is an insanely high level of death that occurs in the Black Death by historical standards. And in that time, society begins to collapse in just that 50%, right? 50% max. Let's give the benefit of the doubt and say it's max 50% across the entire continent. The New World did not have the Black Death. It didn't. There was no virus called the Black Death. The bubonic plague did not make it to the New World. The, the Americas did not have variola, which we know as smallpox. They didn't have it. It wasn't a thing. They didn't have influenza. Wasn't a thing. They didn't have it. So, even those, or let's say two of those, let's say smallpox and influenza, came over with the conquistadors. Now, smallpox, the variola virus, probably started out inside of. Uh, some animal, some other domesticated animal. It wasn't domesticated yet, right? It lived out in the wild. And it probably fed off of them. And at some point, it mutated 
probably with some form of avian flu or some other uh, avian um, illness, which is what most likely happens with most of these uh, viruses, mutated to be able to go to the workers that domesticated the animals and then spread uh, with the people. So the, the virulent virus kind of evolves with humanity as we civilize and, and domestic animals. One of the very first viruses to do it that we can see in history. And it's, it's deadly. Um, and, and you have to look back in history, and, and you can see this is a, this is an interesting thing. If you ever like, like Game of Thrones, um, and I did, uh, as, you know, until season eight. But Game of Thrones, one of the things there's a big. I think it's like ep- season two, maybe season three, um, when uh, Joffrey is having a party, and he says it's his name day, not his birthday, but his name day. Now, the name day is not something we use anymore. It's not a term that's used. Uh, in, in the modern world. But a name day used to be a thing. And a name day was because they would not name a child until it had lived long enough to survive smallpox, influenza, a cold, all the basic things that would normally kill a baby. And name day might not be till you're six or seven. Um, I mean, to that, to that end, uh, Peter the Great, emperor of Russia, the very first emperor of Russia, had something like 12 kids and only one survived, right? Just a massive amount of tragedy and loss in his life. And several never had names, lived three or four, never had names because they weren't going to survive. Or You know, you weren't sure if they were going to survive because that's how bad the virus is. So even royalty into the 15 and 1600s had a problem with their children. The most wealthy people on earth, their children would die at a high rate. The, the, the mortality rate of children was north of 60%. So you had to have a lot of kids, and most of them wouldn't survive. That's just the way it worked. That's just the life you lived. Now, if you think about that for a second, the, this virus, smallpox, is one of the primary causes for this high mortality rate, along with some other ones. But let's just stick on smallpox right now. If by the time age 10, you likely had had smallpox. If you hadn't had smallpox by then, you wouldn't have it till later. And you would probably survive at, an old, at a later age, maybe. You had a higher rate of survival than you were as an infant, of course. But still, you know, you're going to get it and it's going to be very painful. And you still have a high, very high mortality rate. But the Europeans evolved with it. And, and, and people actually, not just Europeans, the people that were not in the Americas evolved with it because the virus is native to uh, the Eurasian landmass. Uh, Eurasia, Africa landmass. So it's native to there. So the populations evolved with it. So we have genetic markers. If you're from, if your ancestry is from that region, you have genetic markers, which means that you have a better job of fighting it. You have certain T cells. You have certain functionalities inside your immune system that you evolved with to be able to fight this virus off. Because if not, you wouldn't you wouldn't exist today. The, the mutations that exist inside of you are largely because, or some of them, are largely because of these viruses and the impacts they would have had. And in order to survive, you had to have certain traits. Natural selection occurs. Voila, we have evolution, and you evolve a little differently. The Americas did not have smallpox. Not at all. So when those Spanish came, smallpox had already been endemic. Endemic means it lives and commingles with the population endemic in people from the Eurasian landmass in Africa. I think Africa. i got to check on this. I think Sub-Saharan Africa didn't have it as bad, but it's something a, a, a blank spot in my knowledge. 
Um, it was already endemic. So when they arrived, the people, the conquistadors, would have already have had smallpox when they were. They were already had the scars when they were when they were younger, and, and on their body, been marked by it. And it's a terrible, terrible disease. In case you're curious, what happens? First thing that happens, you get, um, you end up getting a fever. Then you end up getting, um, you end up. Uh, with some postulates, like some boils inside your mouth. You get a sore throat, you feel terrible, feel like you have the flu. These boils inside your mouth fill with pus, and then they rupture. At some point, you start to feel better, but then these these boils in your mouth rupture, and you spit out all this fluid. That fluid is the virus spreading across your body now. And um, as it ruptures, it spreads over your whole outside of your body, and you're covered in boils and pox. Um postulates across your entire body and they're like if you see pictures you just look at smallpox pictures from people and it looks terrible it, it just looks like you are just infected from head to toe in these the worst acne you can imagine except for the fact that it's also eating away at the insides of your body as well and just ripping ripping it apart so this is the virus that comes with the spanish conquistadors the Native Americans have no evolutionary or natural defense to this. None. It's not something they've ever experienced, along with influenza, right, in any of the uh, bubonic, any of the other bacterium and viruses, virology, uh, that came over with the, the Eurasian populations. When they land, they spread this, not intentionally, they didn't even know what bacteria was at the time or viruses, right? They still, you know, this is the point where where people think that angels or devils are causing viruses and it's punishment from God if you get sick, right? You still have bloodletting. You have bloodletting through the American Revolution to try to stop viruses and bacteria, right? It's it's You have to understand that people don't understand what causes viruses or, or, or illnesses in such a manner. Until much, much later when germ theory comes around, right? And that's not until the late 1800s, the middle 1800s. So you're dealing with a, a population that has no idea. And the infected population also, the carrier population has no idea if they're sick anyway. So this whole notion that we gave out the smallpox blankets to spread smallpox is just such a fallacy. I'll get back to that in a moment. But let me focus back on the Spanish. Spanish land, meet the natives, begin to explore and conquer. Now, when they land, they spread smallpox, inadvertently, most likely. Um, they don't know what causes it or how it's caused. It spreads like wildfire through these native populations. And the native populations have good trading routes. In, in some areas, um, North and South America have a higher population density than Europe and Asia. So they have great trading routes between the tribes, between the nations, between the groups of people. There are amazing trading routes. There are trading routes that would rival Rome in some cases, right? The old Roman roads or the Silk, the Silk Road. And they trade up and down the continents amongst each other. Well, as that trade goes, so too goes the smallpox. And the smallpox spreads and it burns through the population of North and South America. But it's also commingled with influenza and commingled with everything else that the Europeans bring with them. 
And it's not an epidemic. We know an epidemic, which is a it's, it's a term we know of. We think about you know, Africa right now when you have uh, epidemics from um, the name of that virus. It's uh, just terrible. Uh, Ebola, uh, the Ebola epidemic, right? It's a single virus or bacteria that's spreading across the population. You have to stop it. It's usually a virus. Um, you have to stop it and it's, it's single. When you have multiple, it's called a syndemic. S-Y-N. This is a syndemic. This is something that has happened or is going to happen to the natives over this time period. Over this probably 50 to 100 year time period from the time that that Columbus arrives until major colonization starts beginning to occur from European powers of just death. Whole civilizations collapse because of this. Entire cities are vacated. Now, we have the archaeological digs that can show this. And if you go talk to an archaeologist, which maybe you know one, maybe you don't, not Indiana Jones, of course, but there's a, a lot of modern-day archaeologists that study the Precambrian period go into Mexico and do these studies because they're, they're looking at these villages and these towns. And these towns are they rival the size of major European cities or, or larger in some cases. And they're entirely empty in a 50-year time frame. And they're entirely empty right after, right after the Europeans arrived. Now, the Europeans, a couple options. The Europeans came north, destroyed everyone, killed everyone, left no mark they did it, came over on their uh, A-10s and their F-15s with napalm and napalmed everyone, burned them all alive in secret camps. And no, it was just kept hush-hush by the church for for uh, better half a thousand years at this point. Or the other option is that a syndemic occurred based on smallpox, based on the other viruses that the Europeans brought, and killed somewhere between 80 and 95% of populations in the New World. That is an unimaginable level of societal destruction. Just unimaginable. We think 50% in Europe is really high with the Black Death, and it is. It's extremely high. Half the population dies, you have a big problem, right? And that's, that's the highest estimate is half. Half the population goes away in, in a 20-year period. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. What if you lose 90% or 90? In some cases, some isolated cases, 98 to 99% of the population dies. Almost everyone dies. Whole tribes, whole nations of people no longer exist on this earth because of the virulent virus influenza. It is a unfathomable rate of loss. And it's not because the Spanish were going out to go conquer the world and this is what they wanted to do. They had no idea. They were as stunned as anyone else was. And their thought on the matter was the, the Indians, the Native Americans, were being punished by God for their evil ways and their heathen ways and that gave them the, the moral right to conquer these people and to control them. And of course they could, because they were all dying. So instead of having whole cities and civilizations to fight against, they had individual bands of people with whom did not get along with each other. One thing that has to be noted here is we use the term Native American as like this overarching theme. And it's like the equivalent of using the term African or European or Asian. To bundle people into one giant group is just rotten sanity. So it's, it's the equivalent as if you said... 
oh, well, what does it get rid of the borders in Europe and everyone should get along fine? We, we've actually had a couple discussions on this. It hasn't worked out well this far, right? I mean, like, all of European history is about someone trying to conquer the rest of it and remove the borders. The populations are different. They're distinct. The nations are different. They are distinct. A Frenchman will not like you calling them a German. A German will not like you calling them Italian. And no one wants to be called a Russian, right? So you just have to realize that the same thing is true of the Native Americans. The Aztecs did not like the Incas. The Incas don't like any – so it, these, these groups are distinct. They're independent nations. And they're all being devastated equally. And so by the time the Spanish begin to move and, and colonize, I mean, the, you know, it's the equivalent of you getting rid of all the countries in Europe, killing most of the populations like the zombie apocalypse, and everyone kind of comes together. Well, they don't even speak the same language. They don't know it. They have different customs. They're not going to get along. They have to now form new tribes and elements and, and, and rebuild entire societies. And they're doing it while they're being conquered. So it's not really a genocide in the sense that we think of it like the Holocaust, the Holodor in, in Ukraine, or the Armenian you know, genocide. We, we think about it, it's much more in line with the Black Death. And what would have happened if, at the same time the Black Death happened, uh, a large invasion happened from the Mongolians into Europe and they conquered Europe. It would not be um, viewed as as genocide, it would be viewed as a natural order of things when they happened. This is how it would be viewed at the time. I'm not saying it's right now, so don't take what I'm saying to mean a moral statement as of what it is like today. It's insanity. But it is a statement about what happened and how it happened. And one of the tropes that I loathe hearing is this trope about um, the, the trope where the Europeans managed to create a massive genocide and kill 100 million or 50 million or, you know, 90% of, a, of an entire population mass with only a few thousand or maybe 10,000 men uh, of warriors. That would just, it is, you know, it's like a bunch of predators out there with their little cannons is murdering people. It, it, just, it doesn't happen. It's not a thing. So there's the first trope I want to dispel. It doesn't mean that the Europeans were nice when they arrived. Don't get that wrong. Because they weren't, uh, but they, you know the way they treated the natives was the same way they treated each other. Okay, so don't don't get it all twisted here. I think it was John Smith, John Smith, the guy that Pocahontas fame. If you look back at him, uh, I think it's the same. It's one of these early um, English explorers. He's not actually English. John Smith is, I believe, he's Hungarian or Austrian or something. But he had, maybe he was English. Nevertheless, he had fought as a mercenary for the Austrian army. And his coat of arms has the heads. It's like three heads of Turkish soldiers because he killed three Turkish soldiers and cut their head off, right? And, they, you know, and torture was, was readily happening between the Turks and, and the Austrians around the same time. So they didn't treat the Native Americans any different than they treated themselves, each other. And the whole stealing of land, you know, we, I think Colin Kaepernick said there's 1.5 billion square miles of land stolen from Native Americans. Hey, look, here's the deal. No one lives on land that was initially theirs anyway, okay? So let's just take this for what it is. If you are alive today, you are living on territory, land, that your forebears didn't originate from. Let's pretend you're listening to another country. Let's say... Um, you're listening in um, what is a country that I can try to come let's say you're, you're listening in Greece right 
Greece is one of those countries that people say, oh, you know, ancient times, the Greeks are there. And the Greeks are there, you're right, the Greeks are there. But their population moved in from uh, Asia Minor well into antiquity, very early into antiquity. Um, and the, the Y chromosome or the mitochondrial DNA and, and the genetic markers indicate there was another group of people there first, and most of these early peoples are probably proto-Celts, uh, or they are um, uh, another form of humanity at, at that point, one of the other branches of, of, of mammals, um, that the Greeks, or whoever came in after, stole the land from. And then they had it stolen from them, and stolen from them, and stolen from them. And after the last ice age, it, to a point now where there's almost no populations. I say none, but there's probably a few in the mountains. Generally, mountainous people come from the area they're from initially and stay there in perpetuity because you can't conquer the mountains. It's just really, really hard to fight a war there. Right? The Basque peoples, completely different peoples and language and everything else. Well, the language is different. Genetically, they mix with all the rest of the populations, but, but um, speech-wise, the language is completely different. Uh, same thing with the Kurds, right? Kermanji is different than all the rest of the languages. There's another form of Kurdish language. I can't think of it. But they're in the mountains, can't be conquered. Very hard to be conquered. Overrun them for a while, and then you get pushed back out. So all the territory on Earth is generally conquered by a stronger population. Even in the New World, right? 1.5 billion stolen from Native Americans. Okay, but if each Native American tribe is an independent country... When the Aztecs conquer another tribe or another nation and take it over, it's the same as when the Spanish conquer the Aztec. There is no, you know, death is the same for both, and enslavement is the same for both. You either get killed by the by the Spanish uh, or put on a, like a, you know one of the one of the missions, aka slave farms, um, that the Spanish set up. Uh, when, the, when they came, or the Aztecs get to sacrifice you to their gods. So, you know, you, you take your pick which one's worse or better. I guess they're both probably the same because you die in the end. But, um, you know, it's it's not, there's no special sauce here where the natives own the territory and the Europeans conquer the fort. You don't owe it back. No one owes land back, okay? This is how, this is the most common Cassius Bella for war in the world. Land territory, right? I, I can look back at um, uh, revanchism across the world and tell you, you know, for example, um, Russia wants to get its native populations back, so it invades Crimea and eastern Ukraine, which are Russian speakers, maybe the Ukrainian, but nevertheless, they speak Russian. It's made claims against Kazakhstan because they have a whole bunch of Russian speakers in Kazakhstan. Right? It's just a massive, ma massive Russian speakers there. It's like 40% of the population. It's insane. That's revanchism. That's I want my territory back. That's revenge. That's uh, Cassius Bella for that is it's my territory. I want it back. Germany goes to war with, with France. Goes to war with Germany. Germany goes to war with France back in the 1800s over territory. Italians go to I mean, if you look back in history... Chinese, different uh, factions in China, the shogunate in, in Japan. You can look at the, the uh, Viet Empire, Laotian empires. You can look at the Rajas uh, in India, the Mughals out there. You can look at any of these population groups, the Persians, the Arabs when they conquer. 
a lot of the conquering, if it's not done for religion, it's done to regain land. And if it's for religion, it's often to regain land that used to be owned by the religion, right? So it doesn't really matter. It's still land. It's my territory. I want it back. And so this whole theme of land has been stolen from Native Americans, it's just, it boggles my mind since the populations are so massive uh, and distinct as to almost have no meaning when you say the words. My, my, my land's been stolen by the, by the Native American, or been stolen uh, from the Europeans. It's, it's, it's just insane to me. It's just this lazy form of, of, um, of history. So I think those are the primary things that, that I wanted to address. I just, I don't like these tropes. They're, they're old. And if you want to be factual, be factual. Oh, final one, the smallpox blanket, one of my favorites. There is only one case in recorded history of the New World of explorers and Native Americans fighting each other um, of their being, uh, or colonists, whatever, whatever term you want to use, use you know, evil terms or good terms, it's your moral pick, I don't really care. Um, there's only one case of a smallpox blanket being given out, knowingly given out, and that case is in the 1760s, the French and Indian War. There is a British uh, near, I think it's near Detroit. So what's happened is the French have armed the local tribes around the area of Detroit and Michigan, uh, and a tribal leader named Pontiac has rallied the locals. I think it's the Shawnee tribe. I might have the tribes wrong. Um, and the nation's wrong. Uh, rallied a bunch of tribes together and formed them into a cohesive fighting element armed by the French and then go to war and have, are besieging a an English settlement, okay? Now, the trope goes like this. They gave him blankets, the blankets gave him smallpox and killed all the population. That's not how it happened. Actually, the, um, the natives had smallpox first in this equation. 1760s, smallpox has now gone through and through the population. It's endemic now to the Native Americans as well, and they have it because they've, been, they've had it for 300 years almost. And, and the people live longer now because they have natural defenses to fight against it after it burns the population initially in the 1500s. So they live longer. They had a massive outbreak of smallpox uh, before the battle starts. The Native Americans do. They get over it, but in, in fighting the, um, the, the English, uh, maybe the British at this point. Yes, yeah, British, 1760s, Britain, uh, England's already united with Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. So it's Great Britain, the UK. They have... Um, they have gone to battle with them and spread smallpox to the to the Europeans. So the Europeans now have an outbreak of smallpox on their little the little fort, and uh, they think that they can give the Native American smallpox back by giving these blankets. Now the deal is, um, viruses don't usually live very long outside of a body. Right? Some of them live a little longer, but generally, you can't just go out and cough on. You know, a blanket and then leave and three weeks later come back and breathe it again, you get the same virus. The virus is dead, okay? They, they need a warm body to live in. They can live outside the body for a little bit if they're airborne, but not very long. They don't live like years. You know, there's some extreme cases in Siberia where animals have died and the viruses have gotten frozen inside of them and the viruses thaw because global warming happens. Voila, and the virus is back out in the open. That happens. This is not that case, though. This is not it. So... They hand over these two blankets and a uh, silk handkerchief um, used by smallpox patients. 
and give it over to the Indians. There's no recorded impact that it actually did anything, largely because the Native Americans already had smallpox and were probably all entirely immune to these blankets. So it's just, you know, two free blankets in essence and a handkerchief. I don't quite know why I get a handkerchief. Like, I don't know why the Natives didn't catch on that, but I guess it is what it is. Because it's still at this point, no one knows what germ theory is. So it's not a thing that people know about. There's still bloodletting inside the colonies, okay? So don't get it all confused here like it's a bunch of mangalas working in the background. So there's your one recorded incident in, in recorded history of the New World uh, of, of smallpox blankets being given out. It might have happened more, but by the point it would have happened, the populations would have already had smallpox anyway. So at this point, you're just doing... You know, the same thing that would have happened that spread the Black Death when the the Mongols besieging uh, the, the, I think it was the Venetians or the Genoans uh, and, and Kaffa and Crimea throw over bodies of, of plague victims over the walls. Uh, and then everyone gets bubonic plague that spreads on the ships that go back to Italy. Right. Same thing. Right. It's no different. It's the same thing. Uh, and it's it's this is a very common thing in war. I just it's one of these deals that I hear, and we have to hold ourselves to a different moral standard than the rest of the world has ever held itself to. And I think that's that's insane. I think if you look back at history, and this is going to be hard for people to accept, I think, but you'll have to. If you look back at history and who you are as a person, your genetics, you most likely are the result of some rapist raping some woman in ancient times. Maybe it was 20 years ago, maybe it was 100 years, maybe 5,000 years ago. But most likely, that's how you got there, okay? If you're a male, you can actually trace that. You can go ahead and get a DNA test done and find your Y chromosome. And if your heritage, let's say your heritage, for example, mine uh, comes from, my Y chromosome comes from uh, Scotland, comes from southern Scotland. Um, however... I know that because my last name is from Scotland. It's Northern English or Southern Scottish. You take your pick. About the same people. Um, my Y chromosome, however, comes from Scandinavia. The only reason my Y chromosome would come from Scandinavia is because I am the product of a bunch of Vikings who raided Northern England from about 800, well, from about uh, 400 to 500 to 1100 AD and raped everything in Northern England, Southern Scotland, for about half a thousand years. Um, so I am the product of that. That's my Y chromosome, right? You are the product of some immense amount of violence in history. That's just the fact of it. Humans are extremely violent to each other. We have a civilization now, of course, and we'll talk about this in another date, but the veneer of civilization is very thin, Okay. Don't get it confused. We're only one or two steps away from just outright anarchy, if you look back at our history, and, and murder and everything else. We're really, really close. Um, and we should, you know, think about these events in those terms. Think about them not on the aspect of how you think about them now, because, of course, now if you look at it, you'd say, well, we would never do that. I wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. No one would do that. Well, ISIS is still around. So most people wouldn't do that on the, in the modern world. But it doesn't mean it wasn't normal for the time it happened. And it's not a justification, but it is an explanation. And it also is a reason why you, 
if you have a European ancestry, should not feel guilty about Thanksgiving, should not feel guilty about living in the New World or living in North and South America on territory that, quote-unquote, used to belong to Native Americans. Because your ancestors came from territory that used to belong to somebody else, and all the way back, back to uh, biologic Adam and Eve, right? Everyone has stolen land from someone else. There is no difference there. It doesn't matter when it happened. What matters is what you do with it now. So don't live in the past. Stop coming with all the crazy tropes. What matters is not what happened 300, 400, 500 years ago. What matters happens now and going forward. You should let this knowledge and any knowledge you have in life or of life and of, of history help guide your decisions and help you understand how you got there. But they should also help you make more moral um, and better decisions uh, more equitable decisions, I'll say, for populations going forward. Okay. I think I've talked enough about this. Hope everyone has a great day. Um, and uh, I'll look forward to chatting with you continuously and sharing my thoughts. Um, thank you for joining Life in the Center Lane. This is Nick, signing off. <laughs>